Hi, I'm Carrie, your friend, the therapist. On this podcast, we are skipping the small talk and working to destigmatize mental health through intimate conversations with everyday people about their mental health journeys and how they stay well in a world that feels like it's falling apart. This season, we are exploring what it means to stay well and find healing after experiencing religious harm. Please note that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health support with a licensed professional. If you want to be part of the conversation, please follow the show on Instagram at your friends, the therapist pod, or send me an email at carrie at carriefillion.com. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Your Friend the Therapist pod. I'm Carrie, your friend the therapist. I am so excited to bring season two to your ears where you will hear from new guests as well as some familiar voices. On this season, we're exploring what wellness and healing can look like after having experiences of religious harm. To set the stage, I want to talk a little bit about what I mean by religious harm. And the first thing I want to say is that here on the podcast, as well as in my professional work and my personal life, I am not anti-religion, not anti-church, but I am anti-harm. In describing religious harm and spiritual abuse in my professional work as a therapist, I often use the term adverse religious experiences, which comes from the work of the Religious Trauma Institute and the Reclamation Collective. I will link both of those organizations in the show notes. Adverse religious experiences, this term comes from the the work that happened several years ago around adverse childhood experiences, which was a study that essentially showed that adverse experiences in childhood leads to poor health outcomes later in life. So using that concept and that research and that term, we get the term adverse religious experiences. So according to the Religious Trauma Institute, adverse religious experiences are any experience of a religious belief, practice, or structure that undermines an individual's sense of safety or autonomy and or negatively impacts their physical, social, emotional, relational, or psychological well-being. I'm going to say that one more time because it can be a mouthful, it can be very jargony. So one more time, adverse religious experiences are any experiences of a religious belief, practice, or structure that undermines an individual's sense of safety or autonomy and or negatively impacts their physical, social, emotional, relational, or psychological well-being. Having one or more adverse religious experiences, no matter when it happened in your life, whether it was once in childhood or once in adulthood or chronically, meaning happening over and over again throughout your life, may lead to trauma. However, what one nervous system experiences as trauma is different than what another nervous system experiences as trauma. And this is why two people or more growing up in the same home or going to the same church might have different outcomes as far as the experience of trauma later in life. They may have had the same exact religious experience and may have very different feelings or body sensations or trauma responses because of those experiences. 
I will link in the show notes some articles I have written about trauma and adverse religious experiences. So if you want to dive a little bit more into this, there's whole fields of study that talk about this topic. But just to lay the foundation, again, trauma is defined not by the event itself, but rather by the response that a person's nervous system has to a particular event or an accumulation of events. A nervous system that experiences something as too much too soon that is overwhelmed and copes by engaging in a threat response such as fight, flight, fawn, or freeze is a nervous system that has experienced trauma. Again, a nervous system that experiences something as too much, too soon, that is overwhelmed and copes by engaging a threat response such as fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is a nervous system that has experienced trauma. And what we're going to talk about throughout this season is the ways that high control religions specifically can often create this feeling of too much, too soon, overwhelm, overwhelming our capacity to cope that leads to the experience of trauma. However, not everyone who has experienced harm within a religious setting or has the experience of adverse religious experiences, uh, lots of use of the word experience, because that's what we're talking about, your life experiences. Um, but not everyone who has experienced this experiences trauma later in life. So just having a harmful religious experience does not mean that you have post-traumatic stress disorder or complex trauma or any other type of diagnosis. It very well could be because religious trauma, spiritual trauma is trauma. It is not different from other types of trauma other than the place where the traumatic event or events happened. So some examples of what an adverse religious experience could mean include being told that God does not love or accept you or that you need to change yourself or be a particular way in order for God to love and accept you. Being told that you're innately inadequate or inherently bad or sinful, this concept of total depravity, that we are born sinful, that everyone is inherently bad, that can be an adverse experience that can lead to trauma responses. Feeling guilty even if you haven't done anything wrong. Being taught to feel shameful about your identity or sexuality. Being told that you are to blame when bad things happen. Learning that you cannot trust your own instincts and emotions. Feeling ashamed when you experience bodily or sexual pleasure, especially if it occurs outside of a cisgender heterosexual marriage. And what we will talk about at some point in this season is that many people who grew up in purity culture, which is some a, um, a movement that sort of started in, in the 90s and into the 2000s, but existed in different forms throughout history, um, basically outlining what people, especially women, but not only women, need to do to stay pure, how they need to control their bodies, some really heteronormative um, concepts that make you a good person or a godly person or a good type of Christian. Um, so purity culture, again, we'll talk tons about that, um, but that is very much related to this feeling of shame in experiencing bodily or sexual pleasure. And many people, even if they are cisgender, heterosexual, married, feel this shame around sexual 
pleasure and bodily pleasure because of the teachings of the church and the institution. Some more adverse religious experiences could be treating other people in a way you now regret because of religious pressure. Being passed over or singled out or treated differently in a religious setting because of your race, gender, social status, or some other identity marker. Having gone along with or participated in religious activities or practices with which you did not agree or feel comfortable to avoid trouble or exclusion. So I grew up in a church that practiced church discipline uh, based on a literal interpretation of the Bible in which people who didn't behave in a way that the church dictated um, based on their interpretation of the Bible were uh, publicly humiliated, essentially, in order to get them to change. So this is, you know, very clearly harmful, I think, um, and, and maybe one way that this type of adverse religious experience can present itself. Also, any experience of, of abuse within a religious setting or which was ignored, mishandled, or caused by a religious authority figure or belief um, can be an adverse religious experience, such as verbal abuse, sexual, physical, emotional, psychological abuse. There is a lot of conversation, especially here in the Boston area, but really globally now, um, around a lot of the sexual abuse and sexual violence that occurred within the Catholic Church. Um, and that is one way that religious trauma can manifest or have its roots in. Um, that is just one way. Yes, that type of abuse is horrendous and terrible um, and very much front page, front page of the Boston Globe. Um, and that is one way that the church, religious institutions have participated in abuse. Uh, but it's just one way. There's so much more. Um, so a few more. Um, again, this is not an exhaustive list, but just to give you an idea of how extensive and how deeply um, insidious and wounding some of these things can be. Some more experiences could be being encouraged to re-enter a harmful, abusive, or dangerous situation after consulting with a pastor, a Christian counselor, or other religious person. Being exposed to or being part of a religious community where severe discord, a split or a fracture has occurred, like a divorce in the church. Divorce, we know, can be a traumatic experience for children. The same is true if a religious community splits or fractures. Feeling pressured into donating time or money to a religious group. Uh, this does not mean that all giving to charity or giving to church is bad, but when you feel pressured to do this in order to maintain your acceptance within the community or being told that this is what God requires of you, that can be experienced as harmful. Feeling responsible for the salvation of the people around you, being afraid to make friends outside of your religious group, and fearing yourself or others going to hell. Those are all adverse religious experiences for many people. And like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. There are many, many more examples that I could name. And I want you to know that if you experienced any type of harm in a religious setting or a spiritual context, it is valid as an adverse religious experience. No one, no therapist, no pastor, no podcaster, no Instagram influencer can invalidate what you experienced as harmful. 
So throughout the season, I'll be talking with therapists, artists, writers, educators, podcasters, advocates, activists, religious trauma survivors about their experiences within high control religion and how we can heal together and recover from these harmful experiences. I want to make a quick note about some of the languaging that I've been using. Um, so, you know, we could talk at length about what language makes the most sense. But one question I do get often as a therapist working in this field is what is the difference between spiritual trauma and religious trauma? So often these terms are used interchangeably, and I will probably use both of these terms on the podcast throughout the season. And I'm sure I have used them in past episodes. Both types of trauma, both spiritual and religious trauma, lead to trauma responses in your body. That fight, flight, freeze, fawn. There's so many physiological things that happen with the experience of trauma. And whether it is spiritual trauma, religious trauma, or some other type of trauma, the bodily reactions all fall into this broader umbrella of trauma response. However, I do think that spiritual trauma and religious trauma, at least in the language that we use, are distinct. And here's how I differentiate them. To me, religious trauma is trauma that has occurred in a religious setting or at the hands of religious leaders. On the other hand, all trauma is spiritual trauma. Because all trauma impacts our sense of self and the way we make meaning of the world. Spiritual trauma is more directly related to experiences that impact your relationship with the divine, with God, with a higher power, with yourself, with your sense of purpose and meaning. All this being said, you can use whatever language feels right for you based on your own experience. I have gone back and forth as far as my own experience between using religious trauma, spiritual trauma. I've eventually landed on the fact that I have experienced both. So all that to say, you can use whatever language works best for you. Again, you get to decide, you get to choose. So I am really, really excited for this upcoming season. Um, and there will be difficult conversations. There will be hard topics. And I really want you to be mindful of taking care of yourself. The episodes and the conversations are for educational purposes only, although I am a licensed therapist. In this context, I am not your therapist, and this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment with a licensed professional. If you are looking for a therapist who specifically works with folks who have experienced religious harm, you'll hear lots of them on this season. There are many who have been on my show in the past. And I also highly recommend checking out the therapist directory put together by the Reclamation Collective, which I will link in the show notes. I look forward to going on this journey with you all. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and sharing these conversations with you. And above all, please take care and stay well. This has been another conversation with your friend, the therapist. To follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at your friend, the therapist pod. And you can follow my work as a trauma therapist and yoga teacher on Instagram at Carrie Fillion Psychotherapy or my website, CarrieFillion.com. I am committed to keeping the show ad-free and accessible to everyone. So if you would like to make a donation to support the work of your friend, the therapist, you can find a link to my PayPal in the show notes. 
You can also support the show by listening and subscribing on Substack, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. If this show has been helpful for you, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Your support means the world. Until next time, take care and stay well.